Hello and welcome to the MUS in Focus podcast, the show that brings experiencing politics at Model European Union Strasbourg closer to your ears. Every episode, we bring to the forefront current and former participants or organizers to help you have a better understanding of how the oldest simulation of European politics operates. And now, let's put MUS in focus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Season 2 of MUS in Focus. My name is Rhys Nugent, and I'm Director General of MUS 2021. The subject of today's episode is completely different to everything else in the series so far, because it's going to concern debating at Model European Union Strasbourg. Now, this can be quite a daunting, challenging topic for people who've never approached a debate before, especially when it comes to an MEU. And for that reason, I have the pleasure of being joined by a very experienced MUS organizer and longtime debater who will guide us through discussion. Uh, would you care to introduce yourself? Hi. Uh, actually, I, I was a judge most of the time I was with debating. I'm not such a good debater, I guess, in that context. Uh, my name is João Pedreda, which is why Reese didn't really want to risk it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. If at any moment you need you, you need. You need to call my name. You can just say JP. It's going to be fine. Um, I'm used to it. Um, I was a commissioner at some point in Strasbourg. I was a commissioner in other places. I was head of content in some places. I was supposed to be the photographer's coordinator for this year. Yeah. But that's kind of a thing that's not happening because there's a little bit of a problem around the world going on. Pandemic Indeed. or something. Um, but yeah, happy to be here. No, cheers, JP. And yeah, I remember you during my first simulation. You were there when I, I joined Model European Union Strasbourg 2018, and you, you left quite the impression, I would say. And maybe that's something we'll come back to later. So uh, to begin with, let's talk about what is a debate at Model European Union Strasbourg? Because when we think about debating in general, at least from my perspective, I tend to think of these videos on the TV of politicians debating lively in a parliament somewhere, or alternatively of debating societies at universities, which are very common. So it might be a bit confusing at first to try and imagine what the debate is like at an MEU. So I'm just wondering if you could provide some insight into that. Mm -hmm. in, in, in in this case, debate for, for in Strasbourg is much closer to the, the television variety rather than the debate society. Um, the debate society is uh, something that happens in a context of what happens in an ideal world where everyone is debating in good faith. There is no agenda other than the one that is clearly assumed. So rather, if you're in gov or op, you have your agenda. And that's really the only thing that is restricting your movement or restricting your your arguments anything else really doesn't matter you don't have any uh, voters to appease you don't have any uh financial donors to appease there's no other uh context that we really need to be aware of uh television debate isn't that it's usually moved by uh backstage agendas and moved by bigger plans and all of that and since Strasbourg tries to replicate that sense of reality, it naturally moves uh, closer to the television variety re rather than 
the ideal debate that happens in a debate society. Mm -hmm. So, of course, yeah, we really strive to make an immersive simulation of European politics that is as realistic as, as we can do, especially online this year. It might be an interesting um, conference because we've not done an online MUS before, but this is still something we'll strive to achieve. And so bearing that in mind, um, I remember in MUS 2018, I was quite taken aback, actually, with just how much, let's say, talking was going on and shouting and disruptive things that were going on when other people were speaking. In my head, I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to speak. Everybody's going to listen. Everybody's going to, you know, obviously respect and agree with everything I said. But that obviously um, is not the case for many different reasons. So one of the main reasons I would say for this is the fact that you highlighted there are a lot of different interests. There are a lot of positions and everybody at MUS as a minister or an MEP will have a specific role that they're taking on. In the case of the European Parliament, you'll have a country and a political group that you'll need to represent and advocate for. Of course, everyone has their own different role, their own different political agendas, but there are, of course, joint interests. And in the council, you'll be a minister representing the interests of the government. So how do you see this, this relationship between representing a role, in other words, role playing, but then at the same time, maybe not agreeing with what you're saying, because we will be allocating people more or less with interests that they may not agree with. Mm -hmm. That's one of the most interesting aspects of, of MU Strasbourg in, in political simulations in general. It's that it puts you in a position where you have to think of a way, think in a way that you otherwise might have not thought um, because it just doesn't come up during your everyday life. And when you're put in a position where you're role-playing, and that's a very important aspect of this, which we probably will get back to um, in, in just a bit. When you're role-playing, uh, you are forced in a certain way to think within some restrictions. You, are, you have an agenda that may not be your personal agenda if you have any normal interest in, in political life, or even if you are part of a political group in, in, in real life that you may not actually be pursuing while you're in Strasbourg. So you know what the goal is, you know what you're striving for, and that forces you to think in a way that a lot of times you don't really agree on a personal level. That forces you to see the other side of, uh, of the coin and forces you to just look uh, at the world in a more complete way from, from my perspective. I, I, I truly believe that that's one of the the most valuable aspects of political simulations and MU Strasbourg in particular, um, just because of the, 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 all of the experience that people have and uh, how it actually conveys a sense of reality. Mm -hmm. um, the, the role-playing aspect, I believe, is important for people to, to, to know that they are in a, in a, in a, in a year where we've, we've heard so much about masks, is probably a good way to, to think of it is you can hide behind the mask of your role. You are not there. People won't see you for the person that you actually are. And you may say something completely different when you're in character and when you're outside of character. If that makes you feel more comfortable, you can just clearly state that at some point and make sure that people know that you are not the person that 
you are portraying, that you are role-playing as, but that's something that most people um, will get a hang of hang of fairly soon into the conference. Mm -hmm. Usually there are more people who are um, experienced that have experience even in political simulations, particularly in other MEUs or in um, formal debate where they can understand exactly that the dynamics are obviously different because of the restrictions that are put there. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they understand that I'm not speaking actually for myself. I am portraying a role and my goal here isn't to advance or to share ideas that I personally believe in, is to portray the role that I was attributed to. And exactly. those two things often uh, conflict. I remember when I participated, uh, I was a, an MEP for the European People's Party. I think it was Germany. And I remember afterwards, after the first couple of debating sessions, that people were telling me, oh, I really, I really agree with what you said. It really resonated with me. And I, I was really struggling at first because I was like, do they do they know that <laughs> this isn't actually my my personal opinion? But in any case, I think it can be particularly challenging for not, let's say, more the central political leaning, you know, governments, ministers uh, and then political groups. But especially for the, let's say, for example, identity and democracy um, in the European Parliament, who will need to advocate for positions which are quite controversial so I don't know if you've also seen that, that it can be quite difficult to advocate for those positions that you might vehemently be opposed to. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's a challenge. And usually what we see in, in the course of the week is that it starts off with the, the central groups being able to almost have full control of the discussion. And as people progress, as the week progresses and people become more comfortable with everything that's going on and they understand that it's a character and they see that they don't resent others for what they're saying. So they also are not expecting other people to resent them for what they are exactly. saying. Um, they start opening up and actually diving deeper into the character. Um, what to me was, was most eye-opening, I, I think was... In, back in, in, in 2016, when I participated for the first time, we had a, a Muslim participant uh, from Egypt coming uh, to participate and being attributed the far-right role. And we were talking, I'm not sure if that was in 2016 or 2017, but we were discussing uh, funding and counterterrorism. So obviously there was a, there was, it's just a, a something that will happen at some point people will try to make yep. a connection in the far right between those two things between muslims and uh terrorism and he played his role he didn't seem out of place uh he understood what was asked of him and he was able to do it in a way that it 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 surprised a lot of people myself included when we found out that he was a muslim that he was a practicing muslim that he took everything seriously, but not too seriously as to not talk about those things because all he was doing was portraying the reality that he mm -hmm. sees every day and that actually happens in the parliament or that could have happened in the parliament. Let's say that because it's a little yeah. bit fair and allows for a little bit more margin, but no one resented it for him for that because, I mean, in that particular case, how could you? No, I, I agree. I think it's really important too, and to all of you listening who will be participating in Model European Union Strasbourg 2021, 
um, just know that, yeah, you're in a role and everybody knows that. Everybody's in the same boat. And if, let's say, you decide to use language or try and do something different that you might feel might be a bit offensive, um, you know, definitely think about it first. But if you cross the line, we'll let you know. You know, it's not like we're going to let things go if we feel it's getting out of hand. But of course, you're playing a role and we recognize that. And we recognize that certain people might need to be a bit more disruptive too. Which leads me on to the next topic, because the fact is that we have a lot of people participating. JP, you know how many people are in MUS. It's a big conference. And in the case of the European Parliament, for example, there are some political groups which are far larger than others. And that means that proportionately, they also get a lot more speaking time. I remember when I was participating, I actually had a lot of floor time. I, I was able to take the floor quite often because the chairs wanted to make sure that the European People's Party, the largest group in the European Parliament, had the most speaking time. But let's say I, had I been from a, another group, that might not have been the case. So mm -hmm. how do you think that people can really leave their mark and make sure they make the most of the time they've got because they might not always have a lot during the debate? I, I think that the best way to, to think about that is how if your EPP, your, your, your strategy and your meetings outside will be about how can we all complement each other's speeches because we know that we are guaranteed to have multiple people speaking in a relatively short amount of time. So you can build off, off of each other. You can plan things ahead. You can try to structure a proper position and that's not the case with the political groups in the fringes. Uh, political groups in the fringes have different tools, they have uh, different goals, and they just have to use the tools that they have at their disposal in a completely different way. So in that case, you want to be disruptive, you want to try to steer conversation as much as you can to your specific goals, which leads you sometimes to oversimplify, generalize, uh, just do things that we know that in an ideal world, in uh, a debate that is done in totally good faith wouldn't necessarily happen, that you know that that argument really doesn't make sense or that argument yeah. may, doesn't really bring much to this conversation. But the moment that something like that is said, then you may get journalists picking that up. You may get someone trying to answer. And, at some, and all of a sudden... A discussion and a plan that let's say that you had a plan for five EPP guys um, trying to put a whole argument together between them. Then someone comes in from the far right or the far left, says something. The third person has to try to counter or just cannot take the absurdity of what is said and just derails. Then mm -hmm. what does person person three has made a choice what do what do people four and five do next yeah that derails the whole plan initially and then they're probably what we see is they're trying to going to try to answer to what was said and that changes the dynamic of, of the chamber that changes the dynamic of the discussion and it really shows why the fringes behave like they do and why the fringes just end up doing the same kind of thing that people in those political groups will end mm -hmm. up doing. And it gives that sense of reality and it makes it so that even if 
you don't agree with their ideologies, if any of you don't agree with the way that the things are presented, you will understand the need for those specific things that may be said, regardless of the agenda and the legitimacy and all of those things. From a, an apolitical perspective, you will understand why that was necessary if you were to give to be given their specific mm. agenda, which oh, you are you are given the role. One thing um, I wanted to touch upon uh, is the special roles. So we have journalists, we have interest representatives, um, you know, we have people who can report and influence debate in a way that, let's say, MEPs and ministers should not forget that they can take advantage of. You know, they can really seek to influence beyond just using their normal speaking time or, you know, points of information. I think that's a really important point. And just let's perhaps let's try and finish this session with with a few tips that we have and i'd like to share one tip that i have building upon what you just said which was let's say deflection in a way because i remember when i was at mus 2019 uh two years ago i was a political advisor and i know that our group did pretty well but on the first day in let's say the newspaper of the conference the journalists had reported on supposed chaos in our group and how there was a complete lack of leadership. Now, that never actually happened. Everything went rather well. I was there, I saw you know, everybody do really brilliantly, but somebody had been sneaky behind the scenes. And instead of the EPP you know, starting the agenda, setting what we're gonna talk about, instead we ended up talking about a crisis in our leadership. And similarly, I remember another time where a Belgian MEP, I think for SND, made a very good argument and uh, speech in parliament only to be asked in points of information about the legitimacy of Belgium. It was completely bizarre. It was echoing uh, Nigel Farage's speech from a few years ago about <laughs> whether or not Belgium should be one country or two, don't even have like a national unified radio station. And the point was, they derailed the topic entirely. It was, what about Belgium? What about this? Classic whataboutism that disrupted the debates and helped them achieve their goals. Now, I wouldn't normally advocate for this in real life. It does not constitute great debates, but it's seen every day in our politics. So I don't know if you have any suggestions or tips that you might have for people. My, my main tip would be really just fully dive into your role and, and portray it and know that it, it is just going to be seen as a role. I think that once you do that, you'll get to your own strategies, which I think is also one of the most um, rewarding parts of this experience is figuring out what... Um, what can I do in certain situations? And um, when, when, when you're talking about the, the journalists and what those things are, you're, when you're playing a role, you're also, you can also add parts to your role which don't necessarily are given to you. So you can, if someone was uh, elected leader of the political group, but you want to go for it, you can try to almost stage a coup and have some fun with it. There, there are, there, there, this is the part that almost is in the limbo of the simulation because this is a part that needs to be talked to the, the chairs. All of these things need to be communicated and it's a mix of you being in character and you being out of character. But when I participated, I was a born again 
communists, basically, that, deflect, that defected from the EPP to the Communist Party. Uh, and, I, and my whole character was just, I was, I was incredibly ashamed of what I was doing to society. And I had seen the light. And now I was able to actually say what I wanted and not be repressed for, by everything that I was being told. And I, I, now I didn't have sponsors and now I didn't have donors. But now I, I, I had seen the light and it was all a new thing. And it was talked to the chairs. Um, they asked what was my plan and if I had like any kind of explanation. And I said that I wasn't going to try to be too disruptive during the debate, but I thought that it was something that was necessary because at that point, EPP has a lot of chances to speak, but that also can become boring depending on how things are managed. So that's when these kind of side quests come in where you can come up with ideas for you to do things yeah. um and all of that just comes from all of this just stems from you acknowledging that you're in a role that isn't actually you it, it it's almost a shame that the name that shows up in 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 the conference is actually your name it's it almost would be easier if you were acting under a different name but then it would just lead to confusion and people would forget the names and it would just be chaos. But even though your name, you're going by your name, it's not actually you. And that may be easier to accept because maybe it's just a slight deviation of what you think in your everyday life. Maybe it's just one step to the right or the left and you're kind of in within your comfort zone, or it may be uh, a 180 shift. But in any of those cases, it is going to be extremely valuable for you to be the role and portray it as well as you can and without ruining the experience for everything for everyone else. And that's why these kinds of things need to be communicated with the chairs and you need to make sure that people are aware and that everything is still within the realm of what is acceptable and what makes sense. Have fun. It's as cliched as, as it may be. It's really just mm -hmm. the main thing is that so many people are, are stressed before because I maybe didn't read as much as I would have liked. And maybe I wasn't as prepared. I would have liked, and I'm not, I don't believe in the far right in my everyday life. So I'm going to think of that. And it's like, just if, if, if your focus starts by being have fun and then you take into consideration that I'm playing a role then things will start making a little bit more sense. It's it. Everything seems way more daunting before the first day. I couldn't agree on the more. first day when you see it happen, it just makes sense. And yeah. it, but it makes more sense. If you're thinking of this is a role, other people are playing roles and um, I'm, my goal is just to have fun. That just I opens up a lot of doors. Nope, I think that's that's a wonderful summary. You know, embrace your role and also embrace the role of others while still, of course, respecting them and respecting that, you know, we are a simulation, but at the same time, we can enjoy it. And indeed, we're trying to reflect politics in real life, how things are in the real institutions. And the fact is, it can be dramatic. It can be chaotic, but it can also be a lot of fun. So I think that's that's a wonderful way to leave it. Thank you for your your time, JP, and for all of you, Thank you. listening, of course. Uh, we look forward, if you're participating in MUS this year, to see you in action. Don't be scared. You'll be helped every step of the way. And for those of you who haven't, consider it in the future. Consider participating in an MEU. It's a wonderful experience.
So thank you, and until the next episode of MUS in Focus. If you liked this episode, please rate us on the platform you are using, share the podcast, and tell a friend about it. Until next time on MUS in Focus.